Hello and welcome to Bluebells Forever, a podcast with interviews of Bluebell dancers past and present. Join Sherry Lewis, a Bluebell herself, as she leads us on a journey through story and experience. And now here's Sherry. Okay, recording in progress. So I myself am celebrating that I've had this podcast for three years and I've done it on the first year and the second year because it feels important to me to mark special times in life. Like I think sometimes having a marker is important because then you kind of look at what life has been in three years, starting this in COVID, how much life has changed. It's been a lot, like starting out in the pandemic. My first interview was Lindsay Raven who was in Italy, which was getting hit. Like some, some of the worst news we were seeing was coming out of Italy when COVID was hitting so hard. And so like checking in, like, how is it over there? And then talking to the current cast that Hillary's part of, of like, what is it like to be these dancers on hold thinking it was going to be three weeks, which turned into longer and longer. And so I, I, for me, I loved hearing the perspective in those early COVID days and then life comes back somewhat. And then I'm still doing the interviews and I still could go for 17 more years because there's so many bluebells and they all have different stories. But I did reach out to you guys because I really wanted to reconnect and mainly to celebrate with you. And thank you for being a part of it, because honestly, I treasure every story so much. And I've actually transcribed the ones that people said yes to to put into a book eventually, because two of the people I've interviewed have passed and I really want to have our, our, our voice recorded. So like, if you have family members when we're no longer here, they have something to hear your story. We've got the photos up there and also to have it in a book form, just to have all of them in one place for, to me, to me, it just feels really sacred to have these stories. Like I kind of feel like holding something really precious. And so I just feel that connect every time I get off an interview, I'm like, that's my favorite person in the world. Rachel's my new best friend or Vicky's my new best friend <laughs> because I just feel like this connection that we did this so long ago. And then when people revisit, I think we realize how important it was that maybe we kind of just went, Oh, that was just something I did. And I feel like everybody I talked to comes back to that. Oh yeah. That was actually really amazing. And as we know, it's not around like it was. So we really were living in this time where to be a dancer and to have these opportunities to travel and be these exquisite shows was it's, you know, it's a short period of history that we got to be a part of. So first, thank you for doing this. And I'm going to do a little introduction to ask uh, each of these people to just tell a little bit about where they dance, what shows they did. And then it might be a free for all. We're going to ask questions of each other. And if it just sits there dead and lull, I'll ask you like really embarrassing questions to get it going again. So no pressure. <laughs> so Rachel, Williams is on here. So can Rachel, can you tell a little bit about where you danced and what shows? And you don't have to get the dates right because no one is going to fact check you. And if they do, they've got too much time on their hands. So don't worry about the dates. Ah, okay. Um, um, I'm, I'm a Welsh girl. And so I was born in London, but we, we moved back to Wales. So that's where I started when I left London, apparently my dance teacher, we were doing like interpretive dance and my uh, teacher begged my mum, apparently, please put Rachel into dance school, please, please, please. Because I just, I especially love that. I always felt, I don't know, you know, I don't know. I just felt like I was, I just felt very happy when I was dancing. I didn't go, oh, I'm a dancer. It just was something that I just could do. 
So we moved to Wales and then I continued training there with a very ancient old lady. She was at least 100, Miss Winifred Woollett. And I worked, danced there for a while. And then uh, another lady who, it was mainly ballet, lots of ballet. Um, and then we would do dance shows. So I'd use, usually do a little bit in the dance shows. I do like a little bit at the front, a bit comedy. Anyway, um, then... Um, another ballet teacher came along and she suggested that I audition for the Royal Ballet, which I did. And I was doing quite well until then they decided to measure my spine. And then the big drama, they were very dramatic. We have to tell you that Rachel will be growing too tall to be a dancer. You know, it was so dramatic. I can't even, I don't even know how old I was. It was just before I went to Tring, so I was about 10. But actually it worked out just great because I didn't really want to be a ballet dancer. I didn't want to be a ballerina. I liked, I liked Hollywood. I wanted to be like, you know, in all those Hollywood movies. I wanted to, basically it was musical theatre. So then, um, what did I do then after that? See, this let's is go to, Let's go Let's go to your, what shows you did as a bluebell, because we're going to come show. back and go, yeah, which shows and when and where, and then we'll kind of figure out how these pieces go together. Oh, oh, I know. I was just going to say that I trained at uh, one of those quite posh performing arts schools. I got in and my local grant paid for me to go to this really, really massive, expensive school called the Arts Educational Schools, where Julie Andrews went. I must say. Anyway, so I trained there and then I was there all the way up till I was uh, 16. And then I went to London and carried on training. And then I, one of my teachers had said to me, if you want to work in showbiz, you need to have your equity card, which is a performer's union card, but you can't get it without working, but you can't work. You know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. that one, that, that um, uh, Catch-22. So I auditioned, Pierre Rambert came to London and I auditioned then. And no, 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 that was later. First of all, I went to Paris with my friends and I walked up into the Lido and I asked to speak to Pierre Rambert. No, I didn't. I asked to speak to Miss Bluebell. She was on her way out at the time. You know, there was a strange bit where there was something going on with Pierre on there. I don't want to say anything bad about people who are not here anymore, but there was something going on. Anyway, I went in there. I said, I want to be a Bluebell girl. And Pierre said, right, we're rehearsing. Come along and dance. With the, would you like to join the dancing? So I just, that was enough for me. I danced all afternoon with the Bluebell girls. And after that, he came to speak to me and he offered me the job. And that is one of those weird things where it's the confidence of youth. You know, I just stormed up. Hello. I, you know, so <laughs> I was there. So then how long I was at the Lido then? What did I say? 20th, my 20th birthday, 1987. Um, and then from there, I went to speak to Miss Bluebell because I'd heard then there was a new show because there was this new guy from... Los Angeles, Billy Goodson, who'd worked with Michael Jackson. So that was very exciting. And um, a few girls, we were, were starting to leave the Lido. And I went to speak to Miss Bluebell. And she, that's when she said to me, 
go and spread your wings, dear. So I fluttered off to the Moulin Rouge. So all in all, I was in Paris for about four or five years. Um, but my true love, it really was um, musical theatre. And I saw the French version of Cats in Paris, which was absolutely bonkers, because Cats is already bonkers anyway. <laughs> and to try and figure it out in actual French was just, yeah. So, but I just really fancied being a cat. And I could see that the one of the cats that was would be the one I could do. So then I went back to London. I auditioned for cats for four years. I was determined. I had a special singing coach. You had to do the whole triple threat thing. Um, and anyway, in the end, I got it. I got it. Yeah. So you did so Lido and Mulan and cats. Cats. <laughs> and I also did some of those crazy TV shows in Italy. Really, you know, they're bonk. Serata d'onore. Completely bonkers. And um, I did um, some, what else did I do? Madrid um, and Italy. Madrid was a fantastic show. That's where I really had a massive learning curve because I was working with, um, you know, drag queens and um, they were just so phenomenal. And, you know, as far as I was concerned, I was in a show with Tina Turner. You know, it was Tina Turner right there. And there was an actual Michael Jackson. And they're still going strong. Does, does anybody know Randy Roberts? You know any of these people? No. And Rachel, I'm going to go, I'm going to move us on anyway. to Hillary. Because Hillary, it's mid, it's but she's in oh. Paris and she's like, she's not going to make it this whole time. She's going to fall asleep here. So I'm going to come around. We'll do like a little intro. Then we'll go like maybe a little bit further into some questions. So Hillary, can you tell when and where, because you also have a different distinction of your title as Bluebell too, that we want to acknowledge of this. Yeah. How you fit in this. Sure. Right. So I'm Hillary Shukinos. Really happy to be here. Congrats on three years, Sherry. And uh, all the work that you've done in capturing our stories and everything that's happened over the last few years that we could not expect. So um, I joined the Lido in 2015 as the original cast of the modernization with Franco Dragon and the choreographer Benoit Swan. And I was one of five Americans hired. I was doing an audition tour in Europe because my previous cast, all British, said that I would be a good Lido girl. And at the time, I had no idea what that was. Um, and by the time we opened the show, it was a, a star-studded night. I met Lynn Renault. And I still didn't really know what that meant. And it was really, I think, until 2018 at the Bluebell reunion, that's the right year. Mm -hmm. um, and I realized I was part of something greater than myself. I was part of not just a little show and a, well, a good show <laughs> and a cast of, of girls, but like a legacy. And I saw that legacy and all these fabulous women like you have here on your show, you know, traveling to Japan and uh, living these great lives before and after the Lido. And I just saw that there was something that really tied us all together. Like we're from the same makeup. And I was just so thrilled. And that's when I really got what it meant to be a Bluebell girl. And I, and I just became enthralled and really accepted my showgirl identity. I came from the ballet world. And it, yeah, it, just, it kind of, it kind of changed my, my view and, and 
2019, I took a sabbatical, guess who this would expect that. This is show, I started my blog in the pandemic, writing about showgirls, bringing in press, uh, archiving, preservation, and sharing stories like much of us here. Um, and then when I came back after the pandemic, it was a very rough time. We were like part-time. The leader had been bought or was being bought by the largest hotel chain in France and also in Europe. And they had big plans for the Lido. And they <laughs> sort of led us to believe that we'd be okay, but eventually we realized and we're finally told that they're shutting down the show and they're, they're letting us all go. They laid off 260 uh, artists and technicians, uh, you know, 80% of the company. And I'm proud to say I was part of the manifestation, the protest, in front of the theater on the Champs Elysees, we uh, and we danced. <laughs> we danced to the protest. We saw. I got a petition that I think it got over a hundred thousand or three hundred thousand signatures. It was enough to really get the attention of the press. I was interviewed by the Associated Press. Uh, the closure of the show made headlines. You know, in over sixty-four countries, sixty-four uh, papers, something like that. Um, yeah, and sadly, the, the show closed. Um, I'm now the last generation of Bluebells to have, you know, Paris Bluebells to have performed. And I still hope that there's going to be a revival. They have all those costumes stored. There's a few of us around. You know, someone who will be around with that skill that we all, you know, specialize on stage. That, as Rachel, you said earlier, you know, is passed down by soloist to soloist and that we all inherited because this is something you can't really learn in school right you learn in the show and it, it's um yeah so that's part of my identity and I'm now doing uh, technology innovation and entertainment so I hope to give back that way in the next chapter of my life because I, I've pretty much left the stage hmm. thank you Hillary I mean it's like a beautiful and sad title to be the last of the bluebells but I was very proud of this cast being there that last week of the dignity and beauty that you guys went out with all the way to the end. I was just very impressed and proud of, of your cast. Of, it this was beautiful. Is, this is a good story. Yeah, we, we didn't let our morale or the, the maltreatment uh, of the situation and, and the sadness of the situation get the better of us. We all went out there every night. Every night. And our last show, the last three shows were just something I'll, I'll, I'll always remember, and the love from the audience, I think, was passed down through the generations. You know, Nikki and, and Rachel and, and Sherry and um, everyone, you know, who's been interviewed, like, it was just transmuted. Standing mm. ovation, people were crying. We had so many encores. It, it was, uh, it really showed me the fandom and how this is a, is an art form that meant something and it should be continued and it will be, it, it will be, it will live again. So. Mm, thank you, Hillary. Oh, so Nikki, um, tell us where you danced and when and why. <laughs> <laughs> well, I um, graduated from high school in 1977 and that June I auditioned for the Lido. Bluebell did a you know, grand tour of all of the United States looking for, for dancers to be in the show. So I got hired 
for the Lido and I stayed there for about a year. And um, what an amazing experience to get to wear these beautiful creations that Pete and Bob Mackey designed. And uh, it was really just in, an incredible, amazing experience to be able to get to wear these costumes at such a, you know, just a young age, you know, didn't really realize it or appreciate it how amazing it was until later in life. But after that, I did Hallelujah Hollywood, which was then the MGM. And that was uh, a great experience too. So I stayed in that show maybe about a year. And then I went to Acapulco to do a show called Viva Las Vegas. And I stayed there for about, uh, about, about six months. It was a very interesting experience to um, be in Acapulco. Um, and so after I came back from Mexico, I went into um, Casino de Paris at the Dunes. And I was there for, gosh, a couple of years, I believe. And they closed the show. Uh, and so after that, I contacted, I heard there was auditions for um, the Moulin Rouge. And so I was, went to, to Paris, working the Moulin Rouge seven nights a week, two nights a month off three shows. I do believe it was three shows on Fridays and Saturdays. Oh. It killed me because we did the can-can number. And if they knew that you could, you know, do a lot of, you know, like acrobats and stuff, they had to do that. Like the can-can was always right before the finale. And it was a killer because the dresses were really, really heavy. And, um, you know, all that, all those ruffles, you know, lined under the, the skirts. I, I remember wanting to see the, the Louvre and so how exhausted I was. I was like, okay, I saw the Mona Lisa, let's go, <laughs> let's go. I was just, I was so exhausted. I couldn't really even enjoy or even go look at the other exhibits. And so um, that was draining, very hard to do. So um, I finished my contract there and then, um, did the SS Norway, um, the, the cruise ship. And that was a lot of fun getting to be with the cast and doing everything together. And we, we were very close, like a family. That was a lot of fun. That was Sea Legs. And then after Sea Legs, went to Montreal, Canada to do Voila Perry. Um, that was uh, um, Miller Reich. Yeah, George Reich. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Then came back from there and did went back into the Lido, back into the Lido for, gosh, I don't know, probably a year or two. And then back into uh, Jubilee. And that's when, actually I, I did conventions because I didn't really want to go back into the shows. I just thought, well, I'll just kind of do this on the side while I'm going to school. And um, just like, Fluff lured me back into the show. It's like, okay, that, I met my husband. And um, then I stayed, I don't know, maybe, <laughs> I don't know, the blur, the, the, the timeline is always a blur. But then I uh, was in 
after I had my daughter, I did uh, as a vacation girl at the Excalibur King Arthur's tournament. And that was kind of fun getting to, you know, work. It was very difficult working in the, when we were working in the dirks, the horses were a big part of the show and the jousting and all. And so that was, you know, really, I remember my calves hurting so much having to, you know, all that jumping and dancing in these, you know, in the sand, but it was, it was really fun. I was just a vacation girl. So I did it, I uh, know, a few months, maybe eight or nine months as a vacation girl. And then after that, I had my first daughter. Hmm. In 1992. Again, long, long eclectic. Even if you do these things for a year, some people did longer, but I, it's, um, it's interesting what impact it makes on your life for that short period of in her, in her twenties. Yeah. 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 It's like we're a a tribe, you know, a a tribe, a very special little tribe and group of people that we now realize just how magical and special and beautiful that part of our life was because there's Mm. nothing like it, you know, it's just evolved, you know, and so. Hmm. Thank you. Nikki. Have our memories, though. Yeah, hopefully for longer. We could keep these. <laughs> and I have Luann on here, who I've wanted to have on, and she just happens to be hanging out at Pete's house. And so um, I'll let you tell who you are, and also like why I've wanted to interview is like these people that preserve in different ways the history of the showgirl and Don Arden and Bluebell. So Lu- Luann, will you go ahead and Luann tell us a little bit about you, what shows, and you have to unmute. You're muted though, dear. We're pushing buttons now. There, oh, we lost sound and video. I'll just share a brief story while they get online. So Nikki, you said that how you were so exhausted to see the Louvre. I have a similar story. Uh, when I first came to Paris, I said, friend, we have to go see the Eiffel Tower. And it felt like it took us a year to get there. And then when we saw it, we're like, did you see it? Yeah. Okay, let's go back. <laughs> we were just so tired, like right check. Yeah, I know when people think you just dance those couple hours at night, they have no idea like how much work, rehearsals, and extra stuff. Wow. So okay, Luann is back. Okay, there we go. Thank you, Hillary. <laughs> that was a, that was a good uh, connection between the exhaustion of being in these shows. Okay, Luann, you got it. We got technology. All right. So um, I came to Las Vegas from college. I was 23 years old. And I my first show was Hallelujah Hollywood. So I was in Hallelujah Hollywood for probably two years. And then we were in rehearsals for Jubilee before the MGM fire. And then after the MGM fire, I didn't go back because I what well, I took, I think it took nine months for them to open up the hotel. I mean, it really wasn't we long. We didn't open until of, August. Yeah. yeah which really wasn't long if you think about it, but after that big fire. But uh, so I went to the Lido. Um, I was fortunate to get into the Lido. Then I was in the Lido for a couple of years. And then I took a leave of absence and went to um, Japan with Nick Navarro. And Belinda was the lead. And Dolly and I were demi leads. And Gary Marshall was there. It was just a small cast at the Mikado Theater. That was really fun. And then I came back to the Lido. Then I went up to Hello Hollywood Hello. And that was the longest show I was in. I was probably in that show for four years, right? Because remember, I, I would last about two years and it was like, okay, I'm bored, Yeah. <laughs> right? Because you did the same thing night after night, which 
you know, was fun, but it was nice to go back then. You could just, you, there were so many shows on the strip and yeah. you had so many options that once you, once people knew you, you know, and you showed up yeah. and performed and were and, good, and were yeah. good yeah. you know, you, you could move around mm -hmm. to, to different shows pretty comfortably and pretty mm -hmm. easily. Um, so then I closed Hello Hollywood Hello. And then um, Terry Laverne, who was my dance partner in Alito, had become the company manager for the new show Enter the Night after they closed Alito. And I, they were probably just two weeks into uh, rehearsals. And the taller gals were, we were topless. And they were Ted Lorenz. I mean, it was kind of the cross between a, a Broadway, New York musical and a Las Vegas review show. So I don't think they really knew what to do with the, the tall, taller girls. So I, I, I thought it was Cindy Tart, but Cindy said it wasn't because we were trying to remember somebody was in the show for like two weeks. And then they, they, I think they went to the Lido because they wanted to dance more. And the tall girls in Enter the Night, it, it didn't dance a lot. Um, as, as much as I think that person wanted. And so I thought it was Cindy Tart because I remember Terry Laverne called me and he said, what are you doing? And I said, I don't know, why are you asking me? And he goes, I need you down here for Enter, for enter the Night. Oh he goes, do you want to be in the show? Somebody just left and they were my height, my build. And so he knew that I could just fit into their costumes. So then I came back and I was in Enter the Night. Um, it's always loved to be in you know, the, the beginnings of shows. Because mm -hmm. I, I closed Hallelujah Hollywood and Hello Hollywood Hello, and then being in the original cast of Jubilee, and then in Enter the Night, it was always fun, you know, mm -hmm. to be in the beginning of, of those shows. Um, so I remember you, you said to somebody, well, tell us about show, what shows you were in and why. And so the why, I started thinking about the why, and probably one of the reasons why is because I'm six feet tall, right? <laughs> and there weren't, I was, I auditioned in New York, I auditioned in everywhere I went, and I was always too tall. And so everybody kept saying, you should go to Las Vegas and be a showgirl. And it was like, no, I want to be a ballerina. I want to, I kept having, I didn't think about going to Vegas. And then my, I went to college, one of my friends from college was from Vegas, and she goes, well, come to Vegas with me and check wow. it out. And so her mom was a cocktail waitress at the Sands Hotel, and she comped us into Hallelujah Hollywood. The second night I was in town and I went backstage in between shows, introduced myself to Fluff and they had fired somebody the night before they'd fired one of the wow. showgirls. And so she auditioned me right there. And I was in rehearsals the next day. So it was like the third day oh I was in town. God. She hired me as a showgirl mid contract. And then mm -hmm. when the new contract, new contract came around, um, I became a dancing nude. But so I guess why I came to Vegas was because I just kind of fit that mold. You know, we were all between 5'8 and 6'2. I mean, my group was between 5'10 and 6'2. That's yeah. what Janet Ford's like an inch taller than me. Tammy yeah. was an inch taller and than Georgie. me. Georgie. Kate. So, I mean, I wasn't the tallest at six yeah. feet by any stretch of the yeah. imagination. But I just fit. I fit into that, that world. And, you know, you could make a living as a dancer. You know, you had to sign contracts every six months, but still you, you know, where else could you make work in the shows all year round, make a living, be able to move to different shows, travel, travel. Yeah. I mean, it was just a wonderful time. Mm. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm going to come back to that. I like to jump off that. when we come back after we uh, talk to Pete, the most beautiful okay. showgirl of all, 
<laughs> I'm too short to be a bluebell. <laughs> I'm not. I'm five nine and a half. Are you? But, okay, uh, you'd, you'd squeak in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, I I started out uh, as a dancer, as a performer in musical comedy for uh, twelve years, and uh, uh, did a lot of TV and film, and tried choreographing, didn't like it, and. Uh, when I was about uh, 25, I, I started thinking about what my future was going to be like. And uh, I couldn't play Baby John in West Side Story when I was 37. <laughs> so I figured I'd better try something else. And I began designing. I went to Chouinard Art Institute for two years while I danced on the Jonathan Winter Show. I went to night school to learn construction. And... Uh, and then put a portfolio together and did my dog and pony show all over town and um, got hired as a as staff sketch artist at NBC Wardrobe. Uh, and uh, from then on, I just started working as a designer and um, uh, worked all the time. I mean, all the time. I did uh, a lot in New York. I did Radio City uh, Music Hall, did, did the Rockettes. I did that for 20 years. And, uh, and in uh, 76, uh, Don Arden uh, hired me after interviewing me five times. <laughs> I mean, wow. you, got, you guys weren't wow. the only people that got dragged over the coals <laughs> in interviews. And uh, uh, he hired me to do uh, half of the show in, in uh, Hello, Hollywood, hello. And uh, in fact, he only hired me to do one number to do the circus finale. And uh, Bill Campbell was doing the other two. And the only number that was left was Ben-Hur. And I used to get on my knobby knees and pray to God every night that I didn't get Ben-Hur. Because, you know, how much fun would that be in a cabaret show, you know? You got leprosy, <laughs> you got a horse race, and you got a crucifixion. It didn't Yay. sound like a lot of chances for good costumes. To and make. where do the G-string uh, topless girls fit yeah. in? Yeah, sure. And um, anyway, thank God, uh, uh, Mr. Lucas uh, uh, brought Star Wars out that spring, and we ended up doing a very wonderful space number that I had a lot of fun doing. And uh, I designed... Uh, a, a couple of shows for Don. I after uh, Hello Hollywood, Hello, I did uh, Jubilee in Vegas, and then after Jubilee, I uh, Don hired me to do the next show that was coming into uh, Reno, into MGM Grand Arena, which was a trip around the world using using your famous airplane, and um, uh, it it designing for Don really opened the world for me. I had, you know, I'd worked in New York, I'd worked in LA, but uh, all of a sudden, you know, I was in Paris at Swarovski with my own jeweler. Uh, I was working with Maison Favrier for the feathers. We worked for a year and a half on the feathers on Jubilee, year and a half. And then, then we got to do them over in six months uh, after the fire. Uh, and of course, Maison Fabrique couldn't do everything. So some of we opened with some American feathers as well, not as good as the French, mm -hmm. not as good as the French. But it's uh, 
it, it, it's a designing for a show like that is a dream job. I mean, the people are so beautiful. And they're not only beautiful to look at and talented, but you know, they're nice. I, on at any of the shows I did for Don, I know that Don gets a, a, a rap for being a big personality <laughs> and interesting sometimes. I, I never met one person on any of Don's shows that was a drag or a pain in the ass. They were all nice and unfailingly courteous, you know, always pleasant. It was, it was just a joy. I mean, it was really a lovely experience. Mm. Wow. Okay, so yeah. I want to, uh, you can enter into this however it seems fit, but I know when I was in the show, I auditioned for Miss Bluebell and Don Arden, terrifying wonders, but no idea who either one of them were. Did the show, la la la, went on to do other shows and never really understood what I was part of. And I think it wasn't, you know, till years later, I kind of would look at my photo albums and then it was coming back for the reunions and hearing the stories, like hearing you, Pete, when you talked about the design of the costumes, that I started to understand what I was part of. And then going to the reunion in Paris, like when I, when they showed Miss Bluebell's photo up there, I just cried. Like I had no idea how much I owed her in a way or how, how honored I was to be part of something I, at the time I didn't understand. And when I went back to Paris, I, I stayed with Hillary when I went in April, brought one of my dancers to audition and I went back the week before it closed. Both times I went back to visit her grave and I was just moved to tears because I go, this woman changed my life. Like being too tall. I wasn't gonna be a ballerina. I didn't know an option in Vegas was like, this works. And it's years later that I have this appreciation and understanding that, that she was a remarkable woman. And in that time to be a businesswoman and the war, like all the things that, that made her like the integrity and the excellence and the privilege to be a bluebell hits me and that's why I didn't want to do a show just about showgirls or dancers it was bluebell specific because how that changed cabaret so I would just would love to hear how you guys see that because I know like people talk about oh that was the golden era when people talk about like the um Kate Vanderleet so we talk about Liz Elliott or then like um oh my gosh Nikki Adamo is always talked about and then how we, we would talk about um and then everybody goes, oh, we thought the others were the golden era. We were actually our own golden era. Like those are the ones that the other people talked about or like to look, you know, this last, this last cast, the, the beautiful, beautiful dancers that this last cast was. I was just like, everybody kind of has this different piece in this history of Miss Bluebell. And if they worked with her directly, some people said they had tea at her house. Pete had pizza with her. Like we all have little bits of that, but I, I'm wondering now with some time in between when you danced and now, if that's changed of how you see your part of this Bluebell history. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll jump in. I feel like I'm in a great company. Uh, and Cher, you've gathered a wonderful group that reflects the different generations and different stars and shows. Uh, in cabaret, and I just think it's so important to share our stories. Ms. Bluebell, you know, she has her BBC biopic, her book, and uh, how others talk of her, her honors and her awards. And we just need to keep on talking about it, keep illustrating, keep publishing, and also talk about each other. So there's a lot of misconceptions, and Pete, the way that you, you talked about our industry and, and Nikki and Rachel, it's true. 
these women I, I've worked with, the men as well, they're entrepreneurs. They're these global educated women who have fun and panache and beauty and style. They have this incredible lifestyle. And yeah, there's no other time. You know, I don't think I'll be living that. And you know, Rachel, you're you're such a role model because you, you can continue and still live and are carrying on that life in, in your day-to-day and your person. And we talked about in our interview. So I'm just inspired that, you know, we're still here and we're, we're telling our stories. And I'd be interested to know more about um, the archive work that's going on and just ways to distribute that. Uh, and also to cue in that we need um, a curriculum and pedagogy and books that detail the costuming, the technique, the choreography, the show tune lyrics, the music, just as ballet world and musical theater have all their books and archives and libraries and professors. We, our art form needs that too, and we're at the beginning of that. You know, not the beginning, actually, it's been done quite a bit. We're a continuation of that, so that's what, what I believe in. I might have to drop off here, so I just want to say it's been wonderful to be uh, this far in your three-year anniversary, and I wish you many more good years, and I'll be catching up for the finish of this interview when it comes out. Okay, thank you, Hillary, and I will be back in Paris, and then I want to see what everybody's doing, and all these beautiful bluebells that are finding new ways to be. So thank you, Hillary. <laughs> yeah. So is anybody else? Um, like, I'm just even like, I'm curious for Lu- Luann, like why you started doing the art, you know, like what does that matter to you? Like to have this preservation and why you would take something like that on uh, as far as the bluebell history, I'm just curious of, you know, how you yeah. all are feeling that of your part in it. Right. Well, um, I remember, I remember a phone call from Linda Spinks, and she said, Luann, they're closing the Lido, and you need to organize a reunion. And so it was Spinks that inspired me. And long story short, I organized a reunion at the store at the Stardust, and it was a month before they imploded the hotel, and I brought 650 entertainers back together from all over the world oh my gosh and at first I had asked Bill Boyd if he'd bring me in as a contract worker and he wasn't interested so he said just so I took it on as an you know independently and he said let me know how it goes and when I had sold and he always when I had sold 500 tickets I called Bill Boyd and I said I've sold 500 tickets to our reunion he gave us the absolute red carpet and it was like the event of the year and they imploded the hotel a month later. Oh my. God. And Terry Laverne teamed up with me and we recreated numbers from the shows and we had, you know, women on stage from their 30s to their 80s. Oh and it was, my God. It was a fabulous event. And so after that event, I thought, you know, I want to keep that, I want to keep that excitement alive and that feeling because, you know, people had written articles that it was like, they were at, you know, the Emmys in LA because all the dancers showed up in beautiful dresses and, and, you know, the guys were in their tuxedos and it was just, and fluff. And I mean, I, all, everybody showed up. It just turned out to be this really magical evening. Well, back then I thought, well, I want to do showgirl calendar. I want to do something to kind of keep that image out in the community and make everybody feel special because we were, we were really special. You know, we were a really important part of entertainment history and it was, 
I, so I started asking people and back is back before Facebook and social media and people were kind of holding on to their photos because they were going to write a book. And so <laughs> nobody wanted to give up their photos for this calendar or something that would kind of keep it out there. So um, I'll give my ex-husband some credit. We were kind of, <laughs> and I don't give him too much credit, but we were sitting around talking about, you know, how to keep the history alive. And we started talking about maybe some kind of an art competition, some kind of a showgirl art competition. Mm. And so again, I kind of threw the idea out to Sphinx and she said, you need to talk to Miss Mabel, which was at the time, her two daughters were in Miss Mabel's art class at the Las Vegas Academy of the Arts. So I called up Miss Mabel and I kind of gave her my idea about an art competition, a showgirl art competition. And she immediately, you know, embraced it because it's such a unique part of Las Vegas history. And it became, so I've had this, I've had our foundation, it's the Showgirl Legacy Foundation for 15 years. Miss Mabel, the art teacher, has been with me since the very beginning. Wow. As part of the visual arts um, students curriculum, they study the history of the big stage show spectaculars and the showgirls. And I bring in panels of entertainers and live showgirls and authentic costumes mm -hmm. and as photo references. And we bus in other, other schools. It's based out at the Las Vegas Academy of the Arts. But it's just become, you know, and then so the kids study it. Um, they come up with their interpretation of the classic iconic showgirl. And the first year we did it, Splash was still alive, alive, still, <laughs> still <laughs> at the Riviera. And one of the gals in Splash was a graduate from the Las Vegas Academy of the Arts Dance Department. And she was our model. And so there, those connections were still there. Wow. And then they have to talk about you know, their painting and who, where the costume came from, who the, who the costume designer is, what mm -hmm. show it was in. And kids would go, oh, this is my aunt. She's in the Follies Brichere or, or this is my mom's best friend. I mean, so those connections were there. And each year, you know, it starts kind of fading and the kids could go to the covered shows. We'd even have, you know, we'd, we'd, if any of the students, I keep calling them kids, show kids, if any of the students wanted to come see the shows, if they were 18, they could come see the covered show. And so there were all these wonderful connections and it just keeps, keeps fading. But the art competition has been there for 15 years. The students submit their artwork. We give out cash prizes, scholarships, continuing education scholarships. And then it becomes a show which might hang at Barnes and Noble. It's at Blick Art Materials right now. Mm -hmm. um, it's gonna be at the West Sahara Library Art Gallery in the fall. And sometimes it's with costumes. Sometimes it's just the students artwork hanging, depending on you know what venue we use. And the community loves it. Yeah. I mean, they look forward wow. to that art every year. And then we hang up the art and then we have a little, then we give out certificates and cash prizes. And then, you know, it promotes Blick Art wow. or Barnes and Noble or wherever it is. Mm -hmm. But it's just become something that everybody looks forward to every year. And it's- the And kids, their work is terrific. The kids are amazing. The kids are- mm -hmm. Superb. And when the girls walk, the the girls when the when the show show girls walk in in those costumes, mm -hmm. and they've they've been you know taking drawing classes and life drawing classes. I mean, just to have a beautifully balletically trained, tall, muscular dancer Beautiful in those costumes woman. with the Swarovski crystals and the feathers. I'm it, and we light them and we put them on stage. The kids just love it. They just love it. One thing I noticed in those is it's not just the 
it's the essence. Like somehow they're capturing, I would say the mm-hmm. essence of a show. It's not just a pretty girl. There's yeah. something in the joy and the life. It, yeah. It's not yeah. like a, a mod, model standing there. They're capturing like a very alive. Mm-hmm. And for an artist to capture that, I mean, for yeah. a photographer to capture that, that's one thing. But for an artist to do that is like yeah. really. So there's something that's shining through these showgirls. And it's for a art teacher, too, because, I mean, she has a whole curriculum and they study the history. I mean, she's <sighs> it, it's it's just and it's part of the Las Vegas entertainment history. And those kids really embrace it. So you're right. They absolutely capture. Wow. When, you know, Christina, you can see when Christina comes, you can yeah. see the paintings of Christine. You can see her smile. Yeah. 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 Oh, th- oh th- I want to come down for that. I've been making a trip to Vegas. I got to see Nikki last time I was down there. We went to the Showgirl Museum and I went to, um, oh my gosh, Kara. Uh, oh, Grandpa Lee. Karen Fetter. I went to the oh, thing. At, I went to that exhibit and I just had no idea all these things were there. Thank you, Facebook and reunions. But um, there's so many people that care enough to preserve all these things. So Nikki, I want you, I would love you to share whatever, but I also know that you were at the Lido sign lighting because I finally went to the Neon Museum. So, I mean, I just like for you guys to gather, but I just wanted to still the same question is how you're a part of this history. But I just know when I saw you, you just had it the night before and you were beaming about how special that night was. It really was. I mean, some of the people we hadn't literally haven't seen since I was on stage with them. And then, you know, just to Pete, it's really too bad that you weren't able to attend or did you, did you go or? No, I wasn't, I wasn't able to. I really missed it. I know. Would have loved to have you there. You would have completely so much appreciated it. Luann was there. Uh, Just just to get to see a lot of these people that you haven't performed with in, you know, all these years, it was really amazing to actually, you know, get to be with everybody and to experience seeing that light being re-illuminated was absolutely spectacular because it just brought me back to when they blew up the Stardust Hotel and how truly sad that was because that was my that was my favorite show of all there was just there was something really magical about the Lido I I don't know I can't even really pinpoint maybe because it was more of a quaint a smaller show than Jubilee was had a bigger cast and stage was larger there was just something something so magical about that that show and so um when they imploded the hotel it was just like it was really pulled at the heartstrings you know and to be able to to see it you know actually you know watch it being imploded was was really sad so um it's really neat that they the the museum has all these signs and to you know they slowly want to relight them all because not all of the the signs in the boneyard they call the boneyard are all illuminated and so somebody um i can't remember his name but someone has uh he chose to you know put the money for them have it uh illuminated and to see so many and be a part of it and uh it was almost like being on stage when you know you're getting ready to open a new show, like the curtain. Oh, it, it was that kind of a feeling. Oh. It just kind of drew you in, and the way that it was 
it was, you know, it was evening. And so you were under the stars, you know, but it was in its own way, like being on stage because you had an audience and to experience a sensation of hearing applause again and to, you know, and, were, and to see the familiar faces for many shows that you had danced with over the years, all in one, one place. It was a feeling of like, wow, like that, 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 that sensation of, you know, show, opening of, a, of, of the show, of the show. It was really amazing. It's too bad that you couldn't have been there. You know? I missed it, but I saw it I like, know, one, day, day. Like, one day, one day, one day. Well, you said that I loved it. It felt like it was honoring the showgirl and the stardust. Like it was, it doesn't have to be a big audience for to know some people still care and still remember and still lift it up a little bit but because it feels like the showgirl's been kind of poo-pooed because of what it's passe or like you see the showgirls right. on the strip like to me that sounded like a way to elevate it again to, it to was, like you were part of something special the stardust sign there was something that sign of all the signs on the strip it was one of if not the most beautiful just yeah. it was dying you know how just the lighting went up and then it was like a starburst at the very top. And it was just, it, uh, when I first came into the show, the sign was little, uh, uh, much larger. And over the years, they resized it and made it smaller. Oh, so really? I don't know which one we were, <laughs> I don't really know which one it was that, you know, we saw the, you know, so, um, but yeah, they did make it smaller, probably <laughs> the electric, electric bill. <laughs> <laughs> so did you, I mean, had, I feel like reunions have done that where we started to understand that we were part of something special. Was that something that was already coming back in you? And then to see this lighting up, was it already there? Or did it even bring it more to light that, Oh, wow. I was part of this history. Yeah. Like just to know that, you know, would have just being able to experience and not be in the show, but to have been in the show and get to be in town to experience it. Cause so many people wanted to, to get in and see this, the, the, the sign being relit. And a lot of people couldn't get in because, you know, there was a capacity. They had yeah. people that they could allow in. So a lot of people that wanted to get in, couldn't get in, couldn't get a ticket to, to get oh, in. Yeah. Hmm. Well, and then also I got to interview Nikki at Grant's and so we're looking around all these costumes. Pete, there's so many Pete's costumes at the Showgirl Museum in Vegas. Like, oh, that's a Pete one. That's from this. And I went to Karen Burns. It's all hers. But to Nick, Nikki to show me around, like, oh, yeah, I wore this. And I wore this. So just to know that not all of our costumes are buried somewhere, like in a dungeon in the theater somewhere, that, that they're right there where you can see and touch and go, I wore that. I think to me, it kind of elevated that, like to see the beautiful, like just the bras that are metal. Like I wore other bras and other shows which were padded bra with some sequins on them so to look at that and go oh my gosh that's what we wore that's like how different the the caliber of the costumes and the shows it just I just didn't understand it at the time and so I, I'm so glad that the that there's these things being preserved so it's not just maybe my mind is leaving me and I've made it better than it was I'm like no I didn't make it big enough I did not really like elevate it to what it really was and so that's I just I love it about what what Pete does I'm so intrigued like how it's done like 
all that goes into it. I mean, you know, we got to wear it, but we had no idea, like the intricate part of what was, how it was designed and the people that were involved. So I find, you know, what Pete did is absolutely, you know, the mastermind behind these beautiful costumes. Yeah, you Pete, know? Pete yeah. can I just- And, and all of the people, all of the people that are involved with it, uh, right. Uh, somebody who is wearing a hat, who's a bluebell, could have had 24 people work on that hat. A wire person, a milliner, feather people, beaded, beading people. You know, there it takes so many people to, to get any of that together. And it um, costs a lot. Bob and I spent two and a half million dollars on Jubilee. Wow. And that was fun. <laughs> when it's not your money that's right, that's right. i thought Ra rachel has a question for you i think oh i was sorry i was just going to ask you pete when you're when you're designing a costume do you have like a person in mind you know there's a particular dancer who might have inspired you to do a costume a particular way no or was it no it just went no it's just, just pain. it's just kind of there and uh you know you're you're gilding the lily one of the things that uh, I, I have always liked, uh, be, having been a dancer, uh, is, is showing as much of, of the women's bodies as you could. And uh, if, if, if you ever notice uh, in, in Jubilee, the uh, uh, pink and orange costumes the bluebells wear in the first act finale, it doesn't matter if they're facing upstage or downstage, you see the women from the top of their head to their feet. You know, you don't hire people that look like that and then cover them up. <laughs> you know, mm. I'm, I'm a bear about that. I hate it when they put too much jewelry on the women. And uh, I, I hate it when the, the things don't look well or don't move well, mm. you know. That's so Pete, for you as part of this history, because you have represented a different part of it, but you got to know Miss Bluebell, you worked with Don Arden. Yep. I don't know if you appreciated when you were in there because you've you've done all the big things. Like I couldn't, unless you start doing it for people in outer space, you've kind of <laughs> done <laughs> everything here. But when you look well, at Well, I worked with Shirley McLean, so that's pretty close to outer space. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's a good one. Uh, so like when you look at that, like when you understand what you're part of, does the bluebell section of your career feel different or? No, it's all, you know, it's all designing. But uh, uh, the one thing uh, that when you were talking about preserving the history uh, about, um, God, I guess it's like seven years ago now, uh, I looked at all the sketches that I still had. I, I have stuff from my entire career piled up all over the house. <laughs> and uh, I, uh, I got in touch with uh, the museum and uh, the uh, Las, uh, uh, Las Vegas Museum. And uh, I donated all of my sketches that were still existing uh, from all of my Vegas shows, from Splash, from Hello Hollywood, Hello, uh, uh, and Jubilee, and some of the nightclub acts too. And uh, uh, I'm going blank on her name. Karen Fetter. Karen Fetter. Mm -hmm. Karen Fetter uh, 
is has them all together. They're taken being taken beautiful care of, mm-hmm. and they're also online. So uh, you know anybody who <sighs> wants to can just type my name in and and see all of my Vegas work. Wow. It's all it's all together. As much of it, mm. I I sold a lot of stuff and I've given some stuff away, but the 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 majority of it is there in in the museum. And she opened uh, uh, opened my collection with a beautiful show that was so beautifully beautifully curated with the uh, costumes that came from Karen Burns and. Um, uh, I don't know where I don't know where the other costumes came from, but my also my sketches, and uh, did an interview with uh, myself and Diane Palm and Diane Eden and uh, Karen, uh, Burns. Karen Burns. It was it was really a beautiful beautiful show. Oh my gosh! And, uh, but that's all together someplace. Yeah, I know. I was like, just think of that in your house, but now that people can see it, I have to say that I went down on my showgirl road trip before I saw you I was in Reno and Vegas and ran in Marilyn Stedman who I was next to in the show had a picture of me in the finale costume and there was one I had where they had like photoshopped a bra on it because I never wanted to see any pictures of me topless I didn't want that to come out and I saw the sketch that you did and then she has a picture of me topless in it and I save it and I will show that proudly to people that I care about that won't judge it but I love that I'm actually almost in the same pose as the way you sketched it. And it to me, I'm like, uh, I am wearing a Pete Menifee. Why uh, would I ever hide this photo? And I think it, it was somehow to meet you and know the care and just the amount of work that you've done and to go, oh my gosh, I'm wearing, and to see it next to the sketch. And I saw that Sarah Setter did that too at Jubilee, that she has pictures of the sketch. Yeah. And wearing the costume and for great, us to get to have job. that to see the original idea that came out of your head and that we just wore every night and just. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the choreography uh, even matched the sketch in uh, really uh, the, the kick line in Jubilee. And I didn't realize it for like 15 years. And all of a sudden I looked at it on stage and I thought, Oh my God, they're recreating the drawing. I bet. Yeah. That goes in there. Yeah. Wow. So Rachel, I have uh, for you, where, when you think about this history, because I don't know if you at the time knew what you're part of or, because I know in our interview, if you, there was things that you, that were coming to mind, like how the show go will be remembered. And I did feel like there was a sweet spot when you shared about how we want to be remembered and what it was we really did. And maybe that it's kind of lost by people that don't know what we did, but I'm just curious of your thoughts on that, of understanding what you were part of. Um. I, I, I wasn't really aware. I just was thrilled to bits to be in the show and to be dancing. And I mean, I just, I loved the music and I loved the costumes and I just, but mm. I was very ambitious. I wanted to be, I saw, I saw Rachel Carpenter and I, I knew her. We went to the same college in London and um, she went off to, Vegas before me but um, when I she'd already spoken to Pierre Rambert about me so that when I actually was coming to to join the show he had said to Rachel he'd said something about a showgirl and then he said I've already I've already Rachel said to Pierre I know a girl who'd be perfect and then he said I've already hired her and that was me 
So it was funny. So we got we got back together after all those years of knowing each other back at college. Um, but anyway, that's that's beside the point. Um, I I so I, I was quite ambitious, so I just wanted to be. I so I was very focused on that. I don't know quite why. It was a shame, really. I never gave myself time to to actually. I gave myself time to enjoy it. Yeah. and be on stage and threw myself into everything that we did on stage and got told off by Pierre all the time because I was over the top <laughs> and that he said I needed to bring it back in to be a true showgirl and not keep on being on stage and just drawing a lot of attention to myself because I'd be like on stage. <laughs> anyway, um, but... Um, I so yes, I wasn't really aware of you know how fantastic it was to actually be a showgirl, um, and also I still had that sort of feeling that it was sort of unsettling that people would talk about oh back in the day when Belinda and the blah 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 and all these other people and I just would always feel like oh you know obviously we're not. We're, we're just, I'm just there doing the show and I love it. But there was always that sort of strange feeling that I wasn't, I'd missed out on something. And also the fact that to me, the real showgirls were the ones who were in Vegas and that I couldn't get to Vegas. I did once have a little chat on the phone with Fluff. And I'm not quite sure what happened after that because, you know, I was just visiting and then I left and that was that. But, um, <clears throat> oh dear. Um, so, oh, I've um, got a dry throat. Anyway. <laughs> right, there we are. It's gone. <laughs> um, the the it wasn't till I left Paris and I went back to visit my friend Marissa. We were very close, Marissa Burgess. Yeah. Right, so we, we worked together at the Moulin. <clears throat> and I knew her when I was at the Lido, and I know I know her sister. Um, and so anyway, I well, something was going on with her. So she said, Come, oh I know, she was coming over and she lives in Australia. So I was like, Oh, it'd be easier to me to see her in Paris than go all the way to Australia. So we got together again. And I just had that moment. I, I might have said this to you before, when the first time I went back to the Lido after 20, 25 years, and I went to the, um, where just, just the beginning of that long foyer. Yeah. And I stood there and there was um, a girl there, Suzanne, Suzanne Bennett, Suzanne, anyway, she was one of my Bluebell girls, my, you know, my group. And um, so we were like, oh my gosh, I haven't seen you for years, blah, blah, blah. It was very exciting. And then as I was standing there, um, this very gigantically beautiful woman was walking towards me. Very, very tall person, huge, so tall. I was like, she is gigantic, beautiful. And as she walked towards me, she looked at me and I looked at her and we realized, I was like, oh my God, Marie-Pierre. And it was Marie-Pierre. 
And she, she stopped dancing, but she became one of the technicians instead. But what I hadn't realized was that Marie Pierre, who I was looking at, who was this giant, I hadn't realized that when she walked up to me, she looked me right in the eye. And then I realized, oh, I'm tall. And I'd forgotten <laughs> about being tall. And then it made me remember being a showgirl and what that was like. And then it, all lots of things started to happen when I just, my brain started to go, oh, actually, the time that we had, my little cohort of dancers, that was, like you said, that was our golden time. So it wasn't that we missed out. Yeah. But, oh, I wasn't around when it was the Belindas and all of those. It didn't, because actually we were having our own little golden time. Oh I just didn't appreciate it at the time. I actually was quite quoting you because that was you that said that. And I'm like, I think Rachel is one that said that, that you didn't realize uh, it at the time that you were living this golden, because then those younger ones look at that like, oh, and it was the Rachel William, when it was these people. And we were like, oh, we were just part of the thing. We don't realize it. Yeah. But I just remember like, and also like that feeling what it was like to be in that beautiful theater and see these tall people and remember like, oh my gosh, I am one of these. Like that once a bluebell, yeah. always a bluebell is true because just because we're not dancing on the stage, it is in our bones. It's in our blood. It doesn't go away. You know, if I creak when I stand up, I was like, no, I am still a showgirl <laughs> if I just walk slower. And what's very important as well, I think you were talking about it, is having a tribe, your tribe of people. And I lost that tribe when I was so desperate. I wanted to be in cats that I left that behind and I didn't keep in touch. I, I went off to live in, um, I went to LA after I'd done cats. I went to, when did I, hang on, I get very confused. But I went to LA, we lived there for 11 years and I had two of my babies there. I had my other baby when we moved back to Wales. But um, I, I just, it was strange. And it wasn't till I moved back to Britain that I had a conversation with Marissa and she was telling me off, literally. She was like, girlfriend, I'm so angry with you. You've missed so much. You've lost your tribe. And she was just telling me off. She said, these past 11 years, it's ridiculous. Where is Rachel? Where is she? Where, what's happening? Where have you gone? Because I just, I don't know. I just, I just, I let it, all that whole thing, my whole showgirl life. And I think it was because I was really insistent on being in musical theatre. And when you go around LA and trying to get an agent and all of the rest of it, and I was had really good singing coaching and they were sort of, it was more like, you don't want to tell people that you're a dancer because you have to go in now. Now you're doing the acting and the singing and that dancer thing, you could, that's, they're not going to be interested in anything about that, that Moulin Rouge. No, they're not going to be interested in that. And in fact, yeah, I remember going to a party once and I said that I'd been that dancer at the Moulin Rouge and they got a bit weird. Oh, so was that like the topless thing? And I was like, yes. And then I got annoyed and I was like, oh, and it was fantastic. Yes. Because it's 
especially great because when you're dancing with your tits out, you don't have to worry about them. Oh, is it in the bra? Are they in the bra? Is my little showing? Oh, blah, blah, blah. Because you're just like, yay, it's out with your jewels. And, and this person was, I don't know, they were just really like I was the devil girl from hell. Uh. And that's what's sad. I think a lot of us did not share that part because of that judgment. So we kind of just had this beautiful story that just lives in our photo album. And now to be able to say it with people that get it. But they would always make sure to insert, oh, did you dance topless? To put you on the spot, you know, it was, I always found it so uncomfortable. And I always remember just trying to say how will I answer this and I never did quite answer the way I felt I should but now not ashamed yes not ashamed at all it was the beauty the whole from top to bottom the of course whole right mm. and and yet and yes, you no, gave a good answer. You gave her a good answer. That was great. That was great. <laughs> did. You, the way you said yes I did I love it I might have had a drink, maybe that helped. But I think the other thing that's annoying now is that, especially in this country, which is really rubbish because there's no showgirl, nothing. There's no, we've got theatres, we've got Andrew Lloyd Webber, we've got all these, you know, incredible shows, theatres in London, but no showgirl stuff. They did put on um, Crazy For You, which there was a bit of showgirl stuff at one point where they do, oh, we are well the stairway to paradise. And they do that whole thing. Um, but it wasn't, you know, it just, it's just not the thing in this country. And I, oh, I just sometimes I think, oh, how to, even if like the dance schools, they, they do their ballet or they might go off to, you know, ballet college, but, um, you know, I don't know where I would even find girls who would be interested. And I did do, I did an opening, a Cardiff International Film Festival, and I wanted to go, they wanted me to do, um, yeah, so I was opening the show, so they wanted me to do a bit of singing and dancing. So I thought I'm going to go full show girl. Um, so I went to this place where they have um, costumes, the BBC, and so they've got lots of different costumes there. Um, but I couldn't get like the proper costume. It was just, they didn't, they did not have anything that was proper showgirl stuff. And finally, they found me a hat. Um, I just wanted, and I was trying to explain, it's got to be tight, like a skull cap. And then it's got to have the little thingy at the top where you put that in and then that's your feathers. And... It took a long time, but anyway, finally they did let me. I, I, what did I do? I, um, I borrow it. I borrowed it. I borrow, yeah. I, but but I had to pay through the nose Mm. to borrow it. And I found some stars. I found a stick with stars on, so that I made it like that with the stars. Yeah. I wanted to look like one of those old-fashioned. You know, like back in like the a 20- Madonna kind of thing. Not Madonna the singer, but the the, the Madonna. Is that the one with the what? stars? It's kind of the halo thing. The stars all out like that in the 1920s. Yeah. And then I got the most hilarious, awful sort of something on eBay. 
which was like a, a, a cloak, a silver cloak that was very thin, you know, but uh, it was quite good. It fitted small in my bag. So I did, I just, so I did that, but I was thinking, you know, there's, I can't, I can't keep show girls going. Mm. I mean, that's, that's actually probably a bit of a cop out because I probably could, if I actually put my mind to it. But I would have to do a lot of work. I'd have to try and I'd have to do a lot of the sewing. I'd have to do a lot of it myself unless mm. I could get Pete to come over. <laughs> I'm retired. Uh, He's well, retired. I, I wanted yeah. to thank I was we, we, we actually did really well. I'm like, OK, so we won't do a question. And sorry about that, but I really loved hearing your answers. I want to thank Rachel Williams, Nikki Adamo, Hilary Sukunos. Luann, Luann, what is your last name? I don't think of it right now. Chessick. Okay, Chessick. And Chessick. It was as a Harrison before? Okay, it was I think Harrison. in my mind I could do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Pete, and so Pete, I, I'm putting you on the spot, but I would love for you to have the last word because at the, re sorry, <laughs> his face, you can't see his face if you're listening. It was at the reunion when you talked about the design of the costumes and I sent an email when I came back about, how I'd had this shame about being topless. And you said that you'd heard other women say too about body image, but the thing, and I actually saved what you wrote and it's in a, in my book that I did some processing was so beautiful <laughs> about how we already had the beauty. I'm not going to say more. I just trying to give you a little nudge of what you said. Cause you don't know what I'm even talking about probably, but no, it I meant <laughs> everything to me that I saved it. And I know it meant a lot to people that heard you, you say that. Cause we come in with our body, you know, images were supposed to be a certain weight. Now, even though we probably had, I mean, these bodies now I'm like, I wish I was that fat now that I thought, you know, <laughs> and it, and you're just thinking how we didn't see it. And then I think what you said just settled all the way down to my heart of why we were worthy to be on that stage. Well, <laughs> I'm not sure exactly what I said, but uh, you know, it really goes back to Don's auditions. Uh, that were always horror shows, you know, get your, get your fat legs off my stage, you know, all the, all the charm, all the charm and dignity that came with it. But um, I don't think, I don't think any of the uh, women or the men in the show realized how many boxes you had to check to even be acceptable, you know, you had to be a certain height. You had to be attractive. Uh, but that wasn't all Don wanted. Don wanted people who were performers. He wanted people who could sell and who had different cells. That's what used to kill me, even with the, uh, even with the showgirls when they were doing parade, a, a dress parade. Everybody did something different. You were all different. I mean, you were all beautiful, but you know, there were, I, I used to get, I used to get hung up watching one woman in a number. And then, and especially when we were clean, trying to clean the show. And by the end of the number, all of a sudden, you know, there were 47 women I hadn't really looked at to see if they had their earrings on and their both bracelets and everything. But uh, you, you were also special and so beautiful and really beautiful. And, and, and I'm always kind of distressed when I, I read 
I hear your podcast and hear a woman say, uh, you know, I, I wasn't as pretty as Liz or I wasn't, you know, or I was probably the skinniest girl and or the heaviest girl in my room or my line. And, you know, you, you were all special, every single, every single person or Don wouldn't have hired you. You know, mm. you would have been outside the stage door. Crying. You, have been in the, you would not have been talk. in the show. <laughs> and, True. Uh, and he would have had a line to get you out the door too, trust me. Yeah. But uh, the, everybody in the show had so much going for them. So much mm. going for them. And it, it, it just, it kills me to hear somebody remember it and say, you know, I wish I hadn't been so heavy or so. There was nobody heavy in the show, you know. I feel like there's retro retroactive healing that comes from revisiting this and hearing your words. And I yeah. feel like I have 40 years later gone back and some beautiful healing and acceptance of myself at that age, loving my body, loving that I was 19 and left home and went on this adventure like all of us did. Like we yeah. left what was comfortable. We took a risk. Like I'm just in awe of everybody and myself included. Like, oh my gosh, you can't wait for them to show up at your door. We had to go out and be vulnerable. And so to hear those words, Pete, I feel like there, there is the healing and you look at the pictures and go, damn, I was, <laughs> it did look really good. And it's not vanity. It's just mm-hmm. an acceptance of you had, you, you couldn't have gone in there if, if not. I don't know if we lost Pete and Luann, but we will, we are going to end here because I could go forever. Uh, but the book is coming out and your stories, Rachel just has to tell me two more things and it'll be in there and we'll put your photo in there. And so the episode will be on there. So when the book comes out, people can go and hear the full interview because we will have this and it'll be fun for everybody to read each other's stories and say, it wasn't just my story. I'm part of this, this whole collection of beautiful souls, beautiful dancers, beautiful people. So Thank you, ladies. Can I just say one thing? I just want to say that it's been, um, I mean, seeing you, Nikki and Pete, Luann, I've met Hillary, but just you guys, to, and to hear what you're, you're talking about, you know, you did what I'd heard about, and now I've met people who actually were there in Vegas working with these these people nick who worked with nick navarro no not nick navarro uh luann did yeah oh, luann luann. Luann. yeah because that was, one was of those the other guy was it ron lewis ron, ron lewis. lewis you you nick you worked with ron lewis right yeah. that yeah. was the thing i was in just, Paris. oh, oh. Um, i would look at those dancers and be like i want to be a rock dancer did you did you do i saw something somebody posted on facebook once um and it was a, a dancers dancing to um, the theme to sh- Shaft. Shaft. There was there was Joan Palethorpe and uh, Jillian Rochoe's in that one video that's circulating, and it was like it was very seventies. It was a bell bottom midriff thing. That was do. it. Because I thought it was Nikki. Because Nikki's got the fabulous hair. So I was like, oh my gosh, you were the girl in the, in that thing in that video. But I think that's pre. That was that was pre. Nikki. Yeah. She's like, uh, yeah. 
So we wow. will, we will, I'm going to end the recording. You guys can chat a little bit more, but I want to thank you for, for doing this. And it's like, do you know, anything lasting three years, I've heard podcasters that average is like seven episodes and they quit. And I'm like, oh no, there's just so many stories. And I, I always look forward to this because I just like, I feel like I have friends around the world that we all have this in common and it just feels really good to know, like we're, we're keeping it alive by just, you know, connecting yeah. with each other. So maybe whatever the next reunion, I wish we could get Luann in here. Luann or Lindsay, when's the next reunion? Cause it's going to have to be long because now the last one, I didn't know anybody. Now I know too many. I'm going to have to have four days just from the people I've interviewed to, to get to like see them face to face and have like this connection that before was just names on Facebook. So now we know more stories. So yeah. best to you strut on bevel. What was my, I had a thing. <laughs> swivel and everybody kept talking about pivot during the pandemic. Like, Oh, we have pivot down. The showgirls can take that pivot, swivel, bevel and shine. So that is my, thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.